More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Nerves of Steel Cecily McGuckin was no stranger to the family business, Queensland Steel and Sheet, when she joined. As such, she was well aware that the task ahead of her would be arduous. After her father, Barry Hunt, formed the business on a handshake deal with partner Ken Thompson in 1985, Cecily found herself spending school holidays helping in the warehouse. Despite her presence, however, QSS's boys-only culture was representative of the broader sector. Women did not seek opportunities in the steel industry, nor were they really welcome. Cecily turned down her father's first offer to join QSS more than 20 years ago to pursue a career outside of the family business, which did not resonate with her at the time. When he made a second offer a decade later, Cecily could not resist the pull of the family business. However, she also knew that she had to impart her own brand of leadership, one that would radically transform QSS's culture, which was, at best, behind the times. Gender inequality, however, was not the only aspect of culture Cecily addressed, even though she is still the only female CEO to lead a steel company across Australia. Over her tenure, she has worked tirelessly to get to know her employees and find out about their lives, which has allowed a special cohesive work dynamic to develop. Cecily asserts that the defining feature of successful businesses is their culture, and her family business is proof of that assertion. We sat down with the Cecily to discuss Queensland Steel and Sheets' rise to prominence and what it takes to transform a company's culture. Enjoy this episode with Cecily. I like to start with this question. I'm not entirely sure why. I think it occurred to me like a few years ago that while we as adults talk a lot about the fact that we are part of family businesses and that we run family businesses, there must have been a moment of realization that we're part of one. There must have been a moment of realization that we realized my family has a business mm. and I am somehow part of this. And this is somehow yeah. part of my responsibility or part of my story. Mm. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Cecily, when that moment was for you, when did you realize? Well, I suppose for me, my father started the business when I was in, um, I think I was about eight or nine at the time. So before that, he'd worked in the steel industry and was working for other people. And so when he moved from working for others to working for himself, there's obviously a fairly big transition. So I could see that development from him working just for someone. Even though I was young, you could still see there was a difference. And we went into the warehouse, the very first warehouse, and my sister and I were brooming up the ground and all that kind of stuff. So it was very much very clear indication to us and this is now the business that my father had created. There was a very distinctive point that you could see that he was no longer working for someone else. He was working for himself and the hours he put in building that and creating that. You, you saw firsthand how difficult that was to build something from nothing, which was pretty much what it was. So your father's leadership is the leadership of a founder very much uh, built towards like growing the business, etc. Like what do you feel are, were the starkest contrasts between the type of leadership that he instilled and the type of leadership that you embrace today? Like, and, and how does that manifest in what the company culture is like today? 
we are very, very different. And I don't think that comes down to the fact that we were born in different eras, I think, from, mm-hmm. from the get-go. So when it started the business, it was very kind of matriarchal, like this is what we're doing, this is how this is going, this is the direction we're going, and there's really never questions are. When I got involved in the business, what I really spent a lot of time doing is really having those conversations. So I've never been afraid to ask questions, even though people might look at me and go, what are you asking? I always make sure I ask questions. I don't care what they are, how stupid they may appear, but I've done that from the very get-go. So for me, it's a matter of asking questions, really taking note of what the answers are because if you get asked questions and not really take them on board, what's the point? So really I've really spent a lot of time in collaborating with the people I work with, really taking on board what they do, how they do it, and bringing their voice to what decisions Mm -hmm. we're making because they need to feel like they're part of this business because when it comes down to it, any business is made on their customers and on the people who work for them. If those Mm -hmm. two things aren't working, well, you don't really have a business to you. Mm -hmm. So leaderships for me is there's a number of points that I think is really, really important. So it's making sure you're asking your team questions. It's collaboration, which is just so important. Mm -hmm. It's ensuring that you understand them on a personal level so you know how to deal with each individual because I deal with each of my staff based on their personalities and what they do for their in their families or what they do for a job differently. And then on top of that, I've really learned of my leadership styles based on previous leaders that I've had. So I look at them and go, okay, that's great. I really want some of that and I don't want to do that. Or in courses I've done or just meeting other business leaders, Mm. I don't think there's any one set way of doing it. I Mm. think there's a way that each individual is a leader in their own personal way that runs for their personality Mm. and that works for them and has to work for their business. I believe that everyone in my business is important whether they are driving a truck, whether they are a salesperson, whether they are ordering my steel, every single person's important. And it's like a piece of a puzzle. So I always say everyone's a piece of a puzzle and if every single piece isn't working, well, we're never going to work it out. So that for me is really important. My leadership style, going back to your question, is very, very different to my dad. And again, I think he struggled with that along the way, but I know we are now have an amazing culture at my business. So mm. I give active to people when they bring up great ideas like even with that I really nurture people that are not as confident and be able to give them that voice and now some of them that were really really quiet are my biggest advocates and are out there going hey let's do this this, it is they're never given the opportunities whether it be in our business or other businesses that kind of gives your business not only loyalty but it gives you an amazing ability to get some great stuff out of people's brains yeah. that are sitting there that they don't use because they're too afraid to ask a question or they think it's going to be too dumb or, you know, it's not going to be used or they won't get the accolades for it. All those things for me are important. But, you know, Cecily, like the thing is like this is exactly what you're describing is what one feels when we watch uh, the company from the outside. But, like, it's creating this environment that you've created where you show vulnerability, but where you ask vulnerability from, from your staff as well. And, yes. and, and I think a, a big issue there is to create the kind of safe environment where people who suddenly, as you said, have been quiet for years, maybe suddenly feel like 
there's the possibility of rejection is low and it, it's an okay thing to show um what you feel what you think and, and maybe venture an idea and venture a little bit like beyond your usual comfort zone and the, and the real question i think here is like you know what is it that you've done in the actual day-to-day -day of the company that creates a kind of safety i guess like the kind of um uh, and in the manufacturing context, that's a funny thing word to use. I'm sure like <laughs> the kind of health and safety <laughs> and measures that you put in place to safeguard that kind of a culture that allows people to use their vulnerability to their advantage, as opposed to seeing it as a weakness. In what I'm sure is still a fairly male-dominated industry and environment as well. Well, the way I do it, I basically show them that I'm vulnerable. So basically, if they are talking to me about something, I might tell them a story about what I've gone through. And I then go, look, this has happened to me, but this is how I've dealt with it. So I then show that it's okay for me to be vulnerable. But I'm really, what I also take into account is I always ask all of my staff how their family are, what's going mm. on. So I know their wives' names, their partners' names, their kids' names, so that they feel there's a connection that they can open up to me. Mm. I always make sure that there's something going on with the staff member. Family comes first. Business is really important. But every single individual has a family and they need to be able to look after them. Mm. That's what you're doing it for. That's why you go to work. Mm. You do that because you want to be able to support your family. So I do that by showing them support. So I say to them, I have children. I know what it's like. If you need to go home because something's going on, just go. Like they just know, they just have to tell me one thing. I'll go, just walk out the door and go. I'll never question mm. it. But I'll always ask, how's that going? What's happening with your mum? You know, whatever yeah. it's going on. So I really make sure I open up again. It's mm. that communication to be able to show them that I do care what's going on and I always ask further questions on what's happened with that. And you make it sound logical and straightforward and you make it sound easy, which is the which is the tricky part though, I think, because it's not easy, right? Like it's not easy to lead at this level of authenticity. It's an exhausting thing to do. Having this kind of very involved culture, this kind of culture where you personally put so much on the line from an emotional and from a from an intellectual standpoint. So question to you, how do you balance out? Like, you know, what is it that you today do to make sure that, you know, this level of personal involvement, this level of emotional involvement does not burn you out as a leader, which I which I'm assuming is is a fear of of, of many or like because it is definitely it's the right thing to do, but it's also the harder way to lead, right? Like because on a personal level, it, it takes a lot out of you. So tell us more about your secret recipe there. To be honest, for me, it's just a natural thing. I'm very much a talker. I like to be able to be quite personal and talking to people. So as much as you do take on some of people's problems or what's going on, you also get the benefit of having some conversations mm -hmm. that you wouldn't normally have. So mm -hmm. even though there is some things that are bad going on, you know, people walk in and say they're having a baby or, you know, this is going on with their mum or can you come to our wedding? Like there is negatives with that, but there's also so many positives you can take from it. And really when it comes down to it, if you are showing you are caring, you are showing people that they matter, you are showing people that what they do and what they do outside of your business is important. So then you get loyalty. So for me, yes, there is that part, but I don't see how any manager can't be aware of what's going on in their staff's life because mm -hmm. if you don't, how are you possibly going to be able to manage them if you don't understand them? Mm 
So if they've got stuff going in the background, you maybe need to give them a little bit of breathing space Mm. to understand what that looks like and then, okay, this is what's going on, so I need to be able to work with this for a day, a week, you know, a month and help them work through that. So next time they could open up and be more verbal about what's going on and talk about that more and then it becomes so now all my guys all talk to each other about what's going on and it's very, very open and there's no kind of discrimination about what's happening in their lives or and if they don't say my door is open 24 7 if you want to call me anytime you want you will always get me you know I'll Mm. always make time for you now I've never seen it as a burden you know Mm. I I don't see because I always say to my guys my role as CEO is to support my team that is really the crux it's to make sure the business is continually going, but I need to support my team. If I'm not supporting you, then you don't want to be here, then what's mm-hmm. the point? Mm-hmm. So culture for me is literally the whole thing that has created a successful business. Mm-hmm. People who turn up in our business want to be there. They are mm-hmm. part of a group of people they enjoy spending time with because, let's be honest, you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. Mm-hmm. If you're walking into a business and you don't feel like the people that are running it have your back, and don't have support and you can't have some fairly frank conversations, to me, I'm not doing my job. I suppose that comes down to recruitment too. I recruit everyone. So bigger businesses, even within a small business or if you're running a department, for me, it's really a matter of making sure that you recruit the right people for your culture, for your team. That is a massive part to be able to make sure that you're getting people that want to be there and kind of fit in with the personalities you already have. So for me, I walk in an interview and if I meet someone and there's a massive ego going on or they're bad meeting their previous employers, not a chance. I just don't have those people in our business. I've gotten rid of a lot of those. We don't need them in our business. We've got mm-hmm. an amazing team who I know everyone's got each other's backs. I think the additional pressure for you guys, obviously, So let's talk about the steel industry for a second because we have to, I think, because it's definitely, I don't think anyone has missed the fact that your industry has been under severe pressure, uh, especially in the time actually that you came into your business. It's a a remarkably well-chosen timing there, Cecily, to join the business (laughs) around around that time. Good good career move, by the way. Well done. (laughs) So... Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about like, you know, what are the biggest pressure points for you guys as a business right now from a macro perspective in the industry? And where do you feel you're going to be competitive going forward? Like, where are you taking the business from that standpoint? Well, I suppose there's a few points for that. So, yes, the steel industry has um, had difficulties over the years. We in Queensland have a significant amount of distributors, probably 50% too many. So it's quite a saturated market. Mm-hmm. Plus, you look at the manufacturing industry, which in Australia is is changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people are saying that the manufacturing industry is dying. It's not. There's still a lot of manufacturing going, but it's just changing. It's just a dynamics that's changing. So where we're getting a lot of imports now of things that the quality is not as great, but people are now intending to buy that stuff. But look, what we're lucky enough, we have a customer base is quite broad. So what we really focus on for us, our main important parts for our business is to ensure we buy right. So we really need to make sure that the government's doing the right thing in relation to make sure that it's fair across the board on all 
steel mm. supplies, whether they be overseas or within Australia. Really important yeah. that it's fair. Um, there is a couple of issues there that I think um, need to be addressed more because I do believe that supplying of steel to distributors like myself is getting difficult and we need to make sure that we've got a broad market to buy from, that we can get the best prices for our manufacturers mm. who then can compete with what's being sold. Mm. So that really is a really, really important part. Then you've got the fact that we've got a lot of distributors within Queensland and we mainly deal with Queensland. We have a little bit of New South Wales and a little bit of work in other states, but we're predominantly Queensland. So what we really do for our industry, the steel industry is, is very corporate. So because we're a family business, we're really lucky that we are, are quite nimble and change things. One thing I've really focused on the last 10 years for us is showing that we're different. So for me, it's really about an experience. I don't care if you're selling steel or whether you're selling socks. Every person wants to feel that they're a special customer and then they basically want that great experience. For me, it's all about experience because if they have a great experience, they'll come back. So for us, it is all about service. So service is just paramount from every single person in our business. It's service, service, service. But it's also for us, it's that family business that I've really also focused on is bringing the corporate side to it, which is really important. So people need to see that even though we're a family business, we can compete, if not better, than our yeah. corporate competitors out there. That, for me, has been a really, really big part. My last question for you, as you know, comes to this question of, like, you know, do you want to remain a family business? Is that important to you? And since you're basing a large part of your competitive advantage or of your argument for a competitive advantage on the fact that you're family-owned, is it key for you to continue as a family-owned company? Is that something that you and your sister and your family are discussing already? Is the idea of multi-generational transition something that you already are busying yourself with in your minds? Very much so. I'm someone who I always am a forward thinker. I'm always thinking about what's coming up, what's going to be happening. So we um, started about... Oh, about 18 months ago, starting the process of talking about creating family councils, mm -hmm. advisory boards, transitions for that next generation, you know, estate planning, all that stuff again that you don't want to talk about, which mm -hmm. we need to talk about. The transition from my father and I could have been so much easier if we had some guidelines to base mm -hmm. it on, you know, and I wish we knew of the help that was out there before we started that process, which we didn't, but we've learned so much along the way that we can make sure that the next generation, the next generation, if that continues, they've got the basic ideas of what that looks like to give them guidance. So, yes, I'd love it to be a continuous family business. I've got three boys. Again, if they want to continue it, I'd love them to, but there's a catch. So, for me, I want the right people in the right roles. If my boys are not the right fit, well, then they're not the right fit. Mm -hmm. I can't have them in the business to the detriment of the business. Mm -hmm. So would I like them to be involved? Yes. If they don't want to, that's completely fine too because I suppose from my perspective, I was never looking at being part of the business. Mm -hmm. So we, I very much talk to my kids about what's happening in the business so they can understand what real world looks like but they're still very very young and so constantly I'm saying this is what's happening in the business so they understand it but again but I don't want you to go down that road 
there's a rule that we want them to be able to travel. We want them to be working in other businesses. You know, I don't want them to come straight out of school and this be their world. They need to experience, like I did, working for other businesses so they can see the difference and then Mm -hmm. they can bring their value to it. But, again, as I said, if they don't fit, that's okay as well. And then we'll tackle that bridge when it comes to. But we're looking at all the different options that are available to us moving into that next generation. It's really important to do that now. They're only very young, but to do that now so that we have as much support for them going forward. Leslie, thank you so much for all the very valuable advice that I think you've just shared with everyone. It's like a lot of leadership lessons to be learned. So thank you very much for having this conversation with us. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.